0: Naye Lupondwana on SAFM.
1: Alright, just as we all know, just as we have been listening to SAFM and other S A V C platforms, we are waiting to have a conversation, no, not a conversation, to have an address, I do beg your pardon, from the President, His Excellency, the President of the Republic of South Africa, President Cyril Ramaphosa, who will be addressing the Republic in no time. Anytime, we were scheduled to hear from him from five... And that was postponed to six and it is still being postponed as you heard from the bulletin That it is going to happen while the president is still consulting We will continue with our normal programming But we will interrupt normal programming for the president to address the nation So please be aware that this is a program that might and will be interrupted Should the president come on This ABC does have its cameras already at the union buildings, as you may have seen from our television programs, television platforms, and as soon as the president steps up to the podium, we will cut straight to, we will interrupt, most probably, abruptly, to the president. And his address. That said, let's get down to the subject of today and let me introduce you to our guests who will be helping us understand some of the perspectives that we need to look at when answering the question, why pray if all that happens is God's will? We do have Rick Robenheimer, He's the president of the South African Secular Society, SAS. Rick, good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us.
2: Good evening, guys. Nice. Thank you for having me on.
1: Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. We do also have Rastaw Tauharama Nuba. He is the president of the Rastafara United Front. Rastauta, good greeting to you, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us.
0: Uh good news, Brother Naye and uh Ms. FM and the honorable guests in the studio. Thanks for having us again.
1: Also we do have Prophet Laki. Prophet Lucky is known as Mzansi's prophet. He tells us, and he's the founder and senior pastor of TLC, that is Telios Life Church, with headquarters offices at Mamelodi East in Pretoria and branches across South Africa. He also is a media personality and television talk-, talk show host. He's a radio presenter and a regular contributor on several Christian shows, including Impact Radio. He's joining us now on the line. Uh, prophet, good evening to you, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us.
3: Good evening to you and thanks for the opportunity and good evening to our
1: listeners. All right, let's get down to it. I'm going to begin now with uh, Rick. Rick, from your perspective, uh, and I understand this is a rather odd question to ask uh, the secular co- the secular community, but let's get your perspective. Why oh, pray if all that happens is God's will?
2: Yes, as you say, Nai, as secularists, we don't believe in any gods and we find it strange that people would pray to them and typically different people will be praying to different gods for the outcome that favors them. We could uh, take a football match as an example where the supporters of the one will be praying to their gods, wherever they may be for their team to win and the supporters of the other team will be praying to their gods for their team to win and obviously not not both are going to win and as you say in the question if it's God's will and underlying that of course is the assumption that if gods exist at all then why bother praying so we feel that prayer prayer is futile and certainly the scientific evidence indicates that that's the case there was an extensive study called the step study the study on the therapeutic uh, implications of intercessory prayer people were prayed for having had heart surgery and then monitored some people were not prayed for some people were told that they were being prayed for and some people were not told that they were being prayed for and the results statistically showed that there was no difference between the groups being prayed for and not being prayed for, except for one thing. The group that was told that they were being prayed for generally fared worse. And the people involved in the study uh, surmised that this might be a form of performance anxiety because they would then have felt, gee was if I'm so bad that people have to pray for me, then this must be really bad. (laughs) Okay. But um, this this was sponsored, incidentally, by the Templeton Foundation, an organisation that awards a prize bigger than the Nobel Prize to any scientist who is willing to say something favourable about religion. Okay. All right. And following that, they haven't sponsored anything more <laughs> along those lines. I hear you. I hear you. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Rick. Appreciate that perspective. Let's bring in Rastafari,
1: um, Haramanuba. Uh, from your perspective, um, what do, what would be your best answer to the question: Why pray if all that happens is God's will? Uh,
0: give thanks for and the listeners. Uh, let me just greet in the name of Rastafari. Um, his Majesty gives us guidance around this, that I quote his speech. He said we have passed the point where prayerful pleading serves any purpose other than to debase those who thereby abdicate any responsibility or power to influence events. So as Rastafari, we don't pray. We say we give thanks and praises. Because you can't pray for what you already proclaim to be preordained and predestined. And we give thanks every time. We don't even say thank you to one another. We say give thanks. Give thanks for life. Give thanks for peace. So in acknowledging that, uh, as it say, that there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that happens, happens for a reason. There are no coincidence. If there are coincidence, we are the core of the incidents. So we just give thanks and praises, and we are equally dismayed or equally shocked by people who pray. At the same time, they claim that God is omniscient, is all-knowing. You're praying and asking for what you, you proclaim that God already know about. So, it's a contradiction in faith. So, as a faith-based community, we don't pray. We just give thanks and praises.
1: Alright, alright. Thank you very much, uh, Ras Tautau. Let's bring in now the Prophet, the Prophet Uh uh How What's your best answer here, Prophet? Why pray if all that happens is God's will?
3: I must say, uh, Naya, it's such a heated subject that you have brought out here today, but I'm actually quite excited because it's necessary that we do get to it. I must also say that I will be given an answer that is based on my Christian faith and also my personal experience within my faith as a Christian. So first of all, why pray? The reason uh, that I would give to that question is, number one, we pray as Christians because we were commanded to do so by the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we believe to be the father of our faith. In Luke chapter number 18, verse number 1, Jesus said, Men always ought to, to pray. That's what he said. He said men always ought to pray and not faint. So we pray as Christians because the practice of prayer has become what some of the Christian theologians call an express biblical injunction. So we believe that we are commanded, you know, by our Christian faith to pray. So that is basically one of the first reasons that I could give as the reason why we pray. So um, the other question, of course, the other side of your question says, if we at all believe that God is the one that has in a way predestined the thing, but decide what the outcome of things would be, why bother at all to pray? I would answer that quickly in two ways. Number one is, if we don't pray, let's we accept a situation where we were not supposed to pray because of that assumption that there is a predestined order from God that men cannot interfere with. Once we believe that, it opens us up to a lot of things that are already happening. Number one, it can open us up to a decimal estimation of prayer where we, we begin to underrate and undervalue the importance and the significance of prayer In certain sects of our faith, we have seen that it has opened up people to uh, believe in universalism or universal reconciliation, where, for example, certain people believe that even when it comes to eternal salvation, not everyone will be born again. There's a certain few number of people that have been chosen by God or predestined by that order of God to be saved. And then in certain sects, again, it has opened up people to issues of selective redemption, where they believe that... Um, in fact, um, not everybody will be saved or all are saved in universal terms. So those kind of beliefs things actually erupt from what I think is an extreme belief in predestination. So as the show goes on, I will then come to the second point of why exactly should we pray. And I will also bring out you know, certain scriptural reference to, to, to show us why it is actually important Except, of course, the fact that I have already said that we are commanded as Christians to always pray and not faint.
1: All right. We're going to take a break and come back. When we come back, we're going to chew on some of the things that came out of your responses, because this is a very unpleasant conversation to have with a country that is so so religious and yet we don't and have not tackled these things and we do have well the secular community we do have the rest of our community and the Christian community all these communities represented tonight this does not exclude any other faith community if you are and you would love to represent your faith from wherever you are, please call in 0891 104207. 0891 If you'd like to send a text, or other, you could do that 40938 40938. And on our social media platforms on Twitter and on Facebook, the handle there is at SFM Radio. At SFM Radio, and the hashtag is SFM Facts of Faith. Hashtag SFM Facts of Faith. Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. You're still listening to the Facts of Faith. I nearly used another sure name. We're doing this up until 8 o'clock. So let's go back to um, uh, uh, the Prophet, Prophet Lucky. Prophet, I'm, I'm, I'm worried um, that we are talking about a, a very unpleasant question. People of faith and, and your faith in particular claim that it was instructed, it was commanded. But that command does not answer our question, why? If your father in heaven knows what you need, why pray for it? If he is going to decide anyway whether you pray or not, why pray?
3: Why pray at all? Thank you. The first answer, if you had time, I am aware of the possible interruption from uh, the President. But just quickly, if I had an answer, I would answer it in three A's. The first A stands for attribution. We have to pray for attribution's sake. So, for an example, if I have a need for, um, let me give an example, I have a need for a job. I need a job, and I pray to God and I ask him for the job. When that job eventually shows up in my life, an attribution then comes. I, see, I, I begin to immediately attribute that job that has come as a result of my prayer to God. So in other words, praying then becomes an important aspect of attribution because um, if we were not praying, then anything that happens into our life, whether good or bad, we will then attribute it to different spiritual sources or even natural origins.
1: But why would you force an attribution? Why would falsely and inaccurately attribute it? Because you don't know whether
3: that job is because of God, do you now? Yeah, the the attribution would be in, in my case, is because you made a specific request to a specific God for a specific thing at a specific time. And when that particular thing shows up into your life, you attribute it to God. And within the Christian faith, that is what increases our conviction first. That, that still doesn't answer our the
1: question there, Prophet. With respect, the question is, how do you know that it is that God you were praying to that gave you the job?
3: yes the question of how do we know if it is that god it is simply a question of faith and belief system ah. what you believe and uh, and what i believe might be different i started by saying that i will be answering um from the faith from perspective i understand i understand all right faith.
1: so in le- let's, let's get to this point then so if you pray to your god specific job praying to your specific god for that you get in the job and you don't get the job and instead Instead of you getting the job Rick gets the job Then what happens? What would that mean to you? Rick didn't pray to anybody He got the job anyway You prayed to your God And you didn't get the job What would that mean to you, sir?
3: If I prayed to my God And I did not get the job that I prayed for And somebody who did not pray at all Got the job without praying That's what you're asking? Yes Okay Um, There will be different sorts of answers. It has happened to all of us. The truth of the matter is we have also prayed for things that did not happen, and that's not the bad news at all. Uh, I have seen instances, and I have seen instances in my personal life, where I have prayed for five, and God did not give me five. He gave me ten. So at times, God seems to super exceed what I have requested for. So I have learned within my Christian experience to never be disappointed by what I asked for that did not come. In certain instances, I have asked God for a business deal of an X amount, and I lost it. But with time, I then got something way better than what I would have previously lost. So So effectively, your prayer is of no consequence. Based on that, I then concluded that when my God that I have prayed, I prayed to does not give me what I need at this time. He has something much better. He loves me. He's such that I am assured and secured in the fact that... I, I hear he has you. Something I hear you, look, Prophet. Me beyond my prayer.
1: So you do agree that you can pray all you like, but God will do as he pleases. You can pray for mm-hmm. that job, and if he doesn't please that you get the job, you're not going to get it. Can we agree on that, Prophet?
3: Not not exactly, but, but so that's what you just said right that. now,
1: Prophet. you just said yeah. he sometimes does not give you what you just prayed for, and according to you, you believe he's going to give you something greater. That's what you just said, right
3: said that, but I just want to make reference to certain portions of scripture in the Christian before we go
1: the I'll give you the chance to go yeah. to those scriptures. I just want us to agree with thought process and a logical progression. so you do agree that you can pray for this and you will not yeah. get this 5 you made an example of 5 and 10 you can pray for 5 mm. and god will not give you the 5 will give you 10 let's put aside yeah. the 10 for now according to yeah. your example you can pray for 5 and you will not mm. get it if god doesn't will it correct 100% now yes, so your prayer of 5 was useless and wasteful energy because god mm. did not even pay attention to that prayer mm. Can we agree uh, that those prayers, effectively, are wasteful? Yeah. Because whether you pray for five or not, it's not going to happen. If he wants to give you mm-hmm. ten, he will give you ten. You may ask for it now, he will not give it to you now. He'll give it to you at his own time, and he'll give you ten at his own time. that yes. That's your example,
3: uh, right? Yeah. Well, I want to make a response. Uh, you made use of a word uh, such as... Um, why waste energy and time? Uh, we do not within the Christian faith ever see prayer as a wasteful energy or exercise. As I said, it's something we see as an express biblical injunction with our faith. We have been told to pray and not to faint. And we hold on to, to that conviction. And we pray whether God responds to what we are asking for or not okay we we, we, we hold on to pray and um, we know that God always has our best interest at heart so even if we did not get what we asked for in the immediate time we know that he will always show up for us in greater measures so the bible also says in Ephesians verse it says now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask for or think of. And that scripture alone let us know that God has the ability to sometimes go beyond what we ask for. even if we ask something from Him that did not happen, it does not deter us, it doesn't make us to actually consider our prayer to be a few plus exercise. All right, I got that's, it. That's got the remark it. I want to make. All right,
1: thank you. Appreciate that, Prophet. Let's bring back now the Ras, Rastao Tao Ramanuba. I was listening to your preference there, Ras. You say you don't pray, you just say give thanks, give praise. Did I hear you correctly, Ras?
0: Yes, brother. you heard me, cra- me correct correctly.
1: All right, so when you're saying you don't pray, you, don't pray, you just give thanks. You give thanks for life. Yeah. Why, why would you give thanks to something you don't know whether it is actually coming from this God? Or do you know? Is there a way that the community, the Rastafari community, knows that this is something that is correctly attributed to God that you're giving thanks to?
0: Well, um, what we try to do is to give God his space to become God. Not to, attempt, uh, to anticipate God, preempt God or even make assumptions. So basically we're saying everything good that is happening for us is coming from the Most High. So we have to give thanks and praises
1: for it. How do you know that, Russ?
0: Well, uh, because we are of the view that uh, life comes from the Almighty. Uh, Greatness and goodness come from the Almighty. Of course, I do not know for a scientifically fact. (laughs) Like that I can give you an evidence that I cannot make that claim. Yeah. Hence, for us, we say that Sephara is a journey in wisdom. We are constantly in this journey to learn the depth and the depth and the height of the wisdom of God. Okay. So it's a, it's a divine mystery that we have just surrendered <laughs> our ignorance to it for enlightenment. <laughs> so I can't tell you for for a fact <laughs> okay. that is, this is coming from God. That is why I, for one, I don't even subscribe to the ideas of a creator. Yeah. I always said His Majesty like Highness is a God to me, but not necessarily the creator of the heavens and the earth. But
1: but but because you just said right now. You me, said all life comes from this God. What, are you contradicting yourself now? Right? You just said right now, not, all life not, comes from Him.
0: No, I'm not contradicting myself. All life comes from God, but then uh, God is a mystery to me. But I cannot tell you the mechanism of it. That is why I'm a person of faith. So I have a faith in something greater than myself. And in this case, is personified in the person of Rastafari.
1: How do you say you don't believe in a creator and then in the same breath say we believe all faith, all, all life comes from him?
0: Because if you look at all books, there are two theories that explain existence according to Western thought. It is creationism and evolution, which I don't subscribe to either, because Rastafari is a knowledge system, so we don't believe, we just know. And we know what we know, and what we don't know, we don't know. But the fact that we don't know something does not make us lesser of human beings, or even to hold on to something. So... I cannot say His Majesty, uh, who was born in 1892 or incarnated in 1892, is the creator of the heavens and the earth for effect, because I'm not going to be able to give you that evidence. I have to be an eyewitness to that particular process.
1: Then how do you attribute me. any praise to this that you don't believe in? Again, it sounds like, with all respect, Ras Tao it sounds like a contradiction in faith, as you just said also.
0: Faith is the most contradictory thing, Brother Naya, because right now uh, we hold on to things that uh, we are still yet to find out. People are looking forward to Zion, to heaven, to paradise, which they still yet to experience. Nobody has gone and come back and tell what it is. So there is an element of holding on into something because of you have a faith in it. So... Yes, it will appear contradictory, but again, like I said, we ex- we leave God a space to be a mystery that He is, to be the unknown and the unknowable that it is, because in truth and righteousness, I cannot, as a a, a limited being, comprehend the unlimited being okay. or the unlimited force. All so. Right. Yes, that is the contradiction that comes with my faith, and okay. the same I think it goes with
1: every faith. <laughs> okay, indeed, a divine mystery. Nice phrase there. All right, Rick, you're listening to your contemporaries in the panel. It seems as though there is this divine mystery. How are you so resolute that there is no such thing? Quite frankly, you're suggesting science has supported that view, and yet science is supported Research questions and inquiries, but not the actual existence of this mystic, mythical, divine being. So, uh, how do you respond to these, your contemporaries in the panel?
2: Well, as scientists, we recognize that we don't know everything. And in that way, we're a lot more modest than the religious people who claim to have the ultimate answers. However, we recognize that science, repeatable experiment, peer verification, these are the best tools for finding out the nature of reality. And if science were to prove the existence of a god, then that would become part of reality. Now... Religion has quite a head start on science, something like 10,000 years, and no religion has so far succeeded in proving the existence of their god. So, while we must leave the door open in case it's a possibility, it certainly looks like it's not going to be proven, and therefore probably shouldn't be believed. Why shouldn't it be believed? Because the further Our map of reality deviates from what is really real, the more likely we are to be led astray, to have problems, to have conflicts between what we believe and what's actually happening. For example, there are a multitude of churches. Why is that? Well, because each one believes what they believe, they rely on faith and they don't rely on evidence. So the likelihood that any particular church is going to be correct is, how many churches are there? Maybe 50,000. So one in 50,000, that's not a very good likelihood of being right. But but hold,
1: hold on, Rick. Again, that thesis is, is in and by itself false, because as far as science is concerned, there are so many research papers that claim to be evidence-based that have come up with different and contradictory results. Surely you do appreciate the irony there that a scientist who has seen so many research papers would ever claim to have a measure of accuracy.
2: Um, Now, one of the rules here, I believe, is that uh, when we make a claim that uses scripture, we quote the scripture. So let's turn that on its head. And if you have scientific papers that are contradictory. Perhaps you'd like to quote them and we can deal with... All
1: right. um, Rick, please forgive me. We have to cut straight to the president. The president has arrived. It is now time for us to bow out as far as facts of faith is concerned and hand over to the news team. Have a wonderful evening and Godspeed.